0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jora, and tonight uh, we're joined for the first time by Mets 360 writer John Fox. John, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Happy to be here, Brian. Fantastic. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, Big news since the uh, last podcast, and that's the Mets uh, made another uh, venture into the free agent market, this time picking up uh, third baseman Todd Frazier on a two-year, $17 million deal. What's your take on the Todd Frazier acquisition?
0: Well, I think it's terrific, and as you mentioned, it's a two-year deal. At his age, I don't think you'd want to have a real long-term deal, but I think two years is fine. And he brings a couple of things to the table that the Mets really could use. Uh, one thing I uh, remember is he's real durable. He hardly ever seems to miss much time at all, ever since he's been in the major leagues. And again, that's the kind of thing the Mets have had trouble with. Of course, he's not going to hit for average, but he does have that high on-base percentage. And surprisingly, I remember reading just recently, I believe it was Mickey Calloway, the Mets' manager, was saying that he actually is an excellent base runner. You don't think of him as being that, but he's not lightning fast. But he does get his share of stolen bases, and and you can be an effective base runner without being really fast. I remember Carl Yastrzemski, they used to talk about that many years ago, too, that he could cut those corners really sharp and just get a great jump, and, and that's the kind of player that Todd Frazier is, too. So base running has not been really a strong point for the Mets, so I think he'll be helpful there as well as, of course, the power will be the big thing.
1: Now, you mentioned something that I thought was real interesting, and that's his durability. And you look at the other acquisition that the Mets made this year, Jay Bruce, and I think he has a, a history of some durability too. And just given the club's trouble keeping guys healthy and on the field, I think it's very nice to have two guys that you feel pretty good about writing in the lineup for 140, 150 games and not worrying if they're going to pull a hamstring or whatever, or a lat. I guess that's the other one that uh, everyone seems to injure these days. So I think that's uh, uh, an underreported and under appreciated thing that Frazier brings to the, to the table. They
0: both came up with Cincinnati at about the same time. Maybe there's something in the water there in Cincinnati that uh, turns them into Ironman.
1: Well, you, you know, you, you you say that, and and I think there is something to be said that if you go back and, and look at the, the history of teams that seem to keep their guys off the disabled list, there seems to be more teams in the uh, the central divisions in the middle of the country, and maybe it's the water, maybe it's something else, but it'll be a, a nice change of pace to have some healthy guys on the Mets and, instead of what we've seen here the past few years. But uh, let's I agree. Uh, switch gears and and uh, talk about uh, a guy who I think has always been kind of a lightning rod among the Mets fan base, and that's Wilmer Flores. You wrote an article about him recently. Uh, what's your hope for him here in 2018?
0: Well, I think I'd like to see him get a, a shot at the first base position, particularly, especially now that Todd Frazier is on the team. Uh, before, people were kind of thinking of the second baseman. But he's never really had a chance to be settled in at one position. And first base, especially because uh, there's not much competition on the Mets, with the uh, current, I mean, Dom Smith, as we know, really had a poor year. I don't know, off the top of my head, I think he batted under 200 last year. And, uh, of course, the uh, new acquisition, Adrian Gonzalez, they're both left-handed hitters, and uh, they're different in that uh, Dom Smith is still young, but, of course, Gonzalez is, is aging. But for Wilmer Flores, we know that he... He wasn't great, but he played shortstop for a while. So I think any kind of at first base, he's got to be good at that. He's got enough quickness to be at least close to a major league shortstop. Then, sir, surely you can field first. Yes, he may not have the most range, but I think he'll be fine with the ground balls. And he's got good hands and good soft hands. I'm sure he'll be fine in catching the ball. But, of course, the big thing he has is, is his bat. And uh, he he's improved against right hands. He's always been really good against left-handed pitching, but he's, it seems like his average has improved. And he can hit righties pretty well. So I think if he had a chance to settle into one position, he could be a real asset for the team, especially at first base.
1: Now I'm quite sure that this is the first time in the history of the Mets 360 podcast that quickness and Wilmer Flores have been mentioned in in the same sentence. So um, congratulations on, on that uh, unique distinction.
0: Um, Yeah, I guess I'm not too proud of that, but it's quickness and, And speed are different, of course. There is a big difference there, but I think he'd be agile enough around first, compared to most of the first basemen, basically, if you're talking about that particular position. I think he'd be agile enough, and he's got the sure hands to grab those ground balls, and even the the few even errant throws, he could probably do a good job of hauling in
1: well the the best thing about uh Wilmer Flores playing first base is he doesn't have to catch any throws from third baseman Wilmer Flores or shortstop Wilmer Flores or second baseman Wilmer Flores, so he'd have that going for him if them if he finds himself playing playing at first but uh let's uh let's uh shift over into something a little more positive and you know the, the Mets have been one of the the big uh teams active teams in in free agency this year they picked up uh three guys already. Uh, starting off with uh, who guy we already talked about, Todd Frazier and, and Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak as well. So I want to know how likely do you think it is that the Mets make another big free agent pickup here this season?
0: I don't think they'll make a big one, Brian, but I can see them getting something like another relief pitcher, especially a left-handed one, because of course there's only one in the bullpen right now, but uh, the logical thing that some people were talking about would be to pick up a starting pitcher, but I don't think that they would do it in the off season. If they do it at all, it would be maybe closer to the trade deadline. They might look to acquire one. If they're in the pennant race, and they're, that's the one thing that would put them over. But they've, they've made their share of acquisitions, like you said. And uh, if any kind of reasonable health on the pitchers, they're going to be fighting for, for pitching time, as it is with the amount of pitchers the Mets have, starting-type pitchers. And uh, Mickey Callaway's even talking about a six-man rotation and you hit a, another pitcher into that mix, it would really be kind of a, an odd situation, I think. It would maybe mean that some guys that can really get out there wouldn't get out there as often as they as they would be otherwise.
1: Now, you mentioned uh, you'd like to see uh, another lefty in the bullpen, and that's something we've certainly heard uh, thrown about out there as a possibility quite a bit. I think Tony Watson is uh, the the most favored candidate that we've heard so far. But it will be real curious for me if uh, Callaway goes and and plays the matchups uh, anywhere near to the degree that Terry Collins did. The idea of Terry Collins having to suffer and get by with only one lefty reliever in the bullpen was, uh, you know, it, it, it just seemed like a Herculean task for him. Perhaps it won't be uh, quite uh, so severe for Callaway, and we can we can look to build a bullpen that has the seven best pitchers or eight best pitchers that we can get rather than the, the five best pitchers and two or three lefties. So I, I'm looking forward to see how Callaway runs his bullpen. Yes, of course,
0: pitching is a strong suit to having been a pitching coach and a very successful one at that. And, you yeah, know, I think in general it's it's nice to get the matchup lefty on lefty from the bullpen or righty on righty. But if you got somebody who's really good, with, like, say, an Araldus Chapman, it doesn't matter if, uh, you know, if you set up a right-handed pitch hitter against him, he's still going to be in there. I'm not saying, that you know, the Mets have anybody quite that good. But in general it's possible to overdo that thing of trying to get the matchup of the you know the left-handed pitcher on, on the left-handed batter all the time.
1: Well, let, let's keep talking about the uh, the bullpen, and uh, let's assume for the time being that they don't make any other additions, and they're just going to go with guys who are already under contract or or are in the system. How would you classify the the bullpen as it's currently constructed? Are are you satisfied with uh, where it is, or or do you think it's a uh, it's it's an area of concern?
0: I think we can safely say that the statistics are going to be better this year than they were last year because they were absolutely at the bottom, as I remember, or very close to it, at least, in bullpen and in the most of the key stats. So, yeah, I think it'll be better than last year. I think they'll they'll benefit from having a very pitcher-friendly management system in there with uh, Mickey Callaway, and I also think they're going to be having people coming back from from injury too. And of course, they've made that, that big acquisition of Anthony Swarzak, and he looks kind of interesting he kind of kind of ordinary career for the first part and then he really seemed to, to, to a switch would go off last year apparently and he, he had a much better season and hopefully that'll carry over this year and I think to answer your question yeah I think the bullpen will be better it's not going to be the most dominant one in the game but in the game that if it gets in the upper half it'll be a big improvement over last year
1: Now, interestingly, Swarczak uh, spent a little time with uh, Callaway in Cleveland, and I think he's given him some uh, props for helping him to turn things around. Of course, we didn't see the results right away. I think he battled, battled some injury problems in there, too. But if he can come anywhere close to what he did this past season, that's going to be a, a huge asset for the Mets. And, you know, you mentioned how bad the, the stats were for the bullpen last year. And I, I think it was, um, you know, a, a confluence of events. I think there were three things that – came about and made things just really tough. One was the starting pitchers just didn't go deep into the game at all. And then on top of that, you had the uh, familiar suspension to start the year.
0: And then there was
1: the insistence on, on playing matchups and trying to do that over four innings because the starters were getting pulled in the fourth and fifth inning. So hopefully none of those things are are under uh or happen again this year, and, and guys can settle into their roles quicker. Now, Callaway has um, made uh, a comment that uh, he's not going to necessarily have uh, uh,
0: a set
1: closer, that all the saves aren't going to go to Familia. Do you think that can work?
0: Yes, I do, Brian, of course, and that's the way he operated in Cleveland, where they, uh, they Andrew Miller sometimes did end up finishing the game where he'd come in and pitch those two to three innings and you know even go all the way to the very end of the game. And I think he's going to be innovative. You see that? He seems like a really bright guy, and I don't think he's going to follow a, state, you know, a set formula where you have a certain guy for the seventh inning, a certain guy for the eighth inning, and then you close, or I think he will mix it up a little bit, and I think it's going to work. All right, well,
1: let's keep uh, talking about the pitching, but let's switch on over to the starters. And obviously everyone expects uh, big things from Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom, but after we get past those two, it's kind of a big question mark on on what the Mets are going to get. So after those big two guys, which pitcher do you think is going to have a big year in 2018?
0: I am really high on Steven Matz. Whenever he's been healthy, he has pitched really well. Of course, he came up at the end of the 2015 season, the Mets' pennant winning year, and he really did an excellent job, and he was even better, in, I really think, in 2016. When he's been healthy, he's been a terrific pitcher. But, of course, and even looking at the splits last year, before he got hurt, he was he started off okay, and then he just really fell off the table I think toward the end of May and June, if I remember correctly but it just seems like he's got that bulldog mentality and if he can keep healthy. And of course the good news about that too, is the specific injury that he's coming back from that the uh, uh, ulnar nerve area in the uh, elbow, that's the same injury that Jacob deGrom had. And he, he's had a terrific year last year coming back off of that. So hopefully he'll be healthy. And I know if he's healthy, he can do the job. if He's absolutely proven that he'd be uh, if, Assuming he has no hangover health problems, he'll be a very solid, I think, the number three pitcher on the team.
1: It's never been a question of uh, Matz's stuff. It's just been a question of him being able to stay on on the field and and being able to take his turn in the rotation. But you did mention that he got off to a good start last year and then seemed to fall off the table. And I think that uh, we've, we have found out that he was pitching when he was nowhere close to 100% last year because he was tired of being dogged by the, oh, he can't stay healthy, uh, rumors that were circulating around there. So, you know, hopefully with this new uh, training regimen that we have, the, the new revamped uh, system, there'll be better communication and we won't send a guy like Matt's out to the mound when he clearly isn't right.
0: That does show he's a bit of a gamer, though. He's willing to go out there and give it a try, even though we knew he wasn't, you know, 100%. I'm not saying that that was necessarily the best for the team, but I'd rather have a guy that's willing to go out there and give his all, you know, no matter what the situation
1: He's John, and I'm Brian, and you're listening to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. We're uh, going over the the current uh, uh, roster of the Mets, and we've been talking about the, the pitching staff a little bit. So let's switch over and, and go to the catchers. And the way that it's set up right now, the Mets kind of have a um, like a two-headed monster, I guess you'd call it, at catcher, with uh, neither Travis Darnot nor Kevin Plawicki necessarily being the, the top dog right now. They they both uh, had their struggles last year, and they both uh, finished the season on kind of an up note. And I want to know from you, do you think one or the other of, of those two guys will end up being the full-time guy? I like the fact that, like you mentioned,
0: they finished on an up note. That certainly bears uh, good potential for the future. The ideal if one of these batters was left-handed batter and one was a right-handed batter. Of course, that's what you really like. But, uh, of course, they both bat from the right side. But still, in the modern game, you really need two guys that can play a fair amount of time, it seems to me. It's days of the, the superstar catcher catching, you know, like Johnny Bench would do, 155, 160 games a year, those pretty much gone. So two-headed monster sounds about right. Travis Darno deserves the uh, the shot to play a little more. I'd like to see like a split, maybe Darno catching 100 games and Prolecki catching 62, something of that nature. I think would work out really well. But of course, if, if any one of them gets hot, then you're going to ride that hot hand.
1: I feel a lot better about. Uh... Mickey Calloway trying to balance the the split of the playing time between Darno and Ploiecki than I would with Terry Collins just because I think he's got a little more flexibility in him and be able to uh, see the, the strengths of the, the various two guys. I think Ploiecki's probably a little better thrower, uh, you know, just trying to control the running game. So when you have guys like uh, Syndergaard, especially, and, and to a lesser degree, Mats, who aren't necessarily very good at holding on base runners, perhaps that's when you bend over backwards to try to get Plowecki into the game. So it'll be curious to see what other situations develop in this very non-traditional platoon that's likely to occur between, between the two catchers. Do you see any strength uh, that you'd like to exploit from, from either Darno or Plowecki?
0: Well, Polecki's a little bit younger, so he still has a chance to develop even more. But Darnell has showed he can hit that ball. He, too, has had his share of injury problems, but like you mentioned, he really did a good job in September. And if that carries over, that could be, you know, turn that team, turn the catching from a bit of a weakness into a strength of the team. But they're both going to get plenty of playing time would be my guess.
1: All right, well, we're just a, a few days away from the official uh, pitchers and catchers reporting date for the for the Mets in spring training. I believe it's February 12th, and I want to know from you, what do you think that the big story from uh, spring training this year in 2018 is going to be for the Mets?
0: I think seeing how Noah Syndergaard does, he's the big guy with the uh, tremendous stuff, electric stuff, I guess you could call it, and he missed most of last year. You know, He came back at the very end of the season. and I think he'd be the guy to, to really watch in spring training. He showed a, quite a bit of uh, velocity when he came back up and pitched at the uh, very end of the season last year. So watching him in spring training, he's just uh, the kind of guy that can actually put people in the seat. So if he's, he really is critical to the team. If he can pitch like he's pitched before, and uh, that's going to make a big difference and will turn the starting pitching to be – the kind of thing we all expected it to be back uh, last year, to be really the, the strength of the team. So I would say don't listen to guard. Just watch his velocity. Watch the movement on the ball. Make sure he's, his arm is you know not bothering him. And uh, that would be probably what I would think would be the thing to take out of spring training. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with that because so much is riding on both he and Degrom being able to to be aces at the at the front of that rotation, and it's, it's hard to imagine a scenario where the the Mets compete for a wild card spot where Syndergaard isn't. A star, if, if he isn't the the kind of guy he was at the end of 2015 and and through 2016, the Mets clearly need that that guy, that particular guy, to 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 come back. I'm um, I'm also going to be watching how the first base battle uh, plays out because you know we we've heard that Dominic Smith has lost like something like 30 pounds. And, you know, given that uh, Sandy Alderson was so vocal about how unhappy he was about uh, Smith not uh, being in shape last year, I think that that's something that uh, Dominic Smith took to heart. And uh, it'll be curious to see if he actually gets an an honest shot to win the first base job in spring training or if they're just going to give it to Gonzalez outright just because he was good three years ago. So I think that's going to be the the main thing that I'm looking for in, in spring training this year.
0: It's interesting that they said the same thing about Don Smith the year before. You see, like he lost weight in the off season, and somehow he put it on quite a bit during the season, both with Las Vegas and then with the Mets last year. So hopefully that same thing doesn't happen because, yeah, boy, he kind of looked more like a, a sumo wrestler than a baseball pitcher than a baseball player at times last year
1: you know with with all of the money that the uh, the top draft picks make you, you'd think that they would hire a nutritionist especially if you had any issue whatsoever with with your weight but you know it, it's real easy for an old guy to tell a young guy what to do with his money i suppose and you know it looks like smith has certainly turned the corner and is taking his his conditioning more serious now so i'm i'm going to take that as a good thing and 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 hope to to see him hitting uh, line drives from uh, foul line the foul line in in spring training and and winning a job well we've reached the the time in the podcast where we uh we give a crazy prediction i'm going to give you my crazy prediction and i'm going to ask you to comment on mine if you think it's crazy or not and then after that i'm going to ask you to give me your crazy prediction okay are you ready i am ready my crazy prediction is that Mickey Calloway is actually going to be a man of his word and and shift the the, the saves around among multiple people, and that uh, both uh, Familia and A.J. Ramos will each uh, top 20 saves uh, this year. So tell me, is that crazy?
0: Not crazy at all. He's impressed me very much uh, so far. I mean, I kind of would have liked to have seen Kevin Long get the job at first, but... Uh, well, everything I've seen about him, he's, he's like a really sharp guy, and uh, he's even though he's going to be a rookie manager, he looks like he knows what he wants to do, and I think he's going to take control. I don't know about the 20 saves for, for both pitchers, but uh, I, I think it's going to be an effective bullpen, much better than last year, and uh, starting pitching, too, I think, will also be, because of his pitching background, because of his just approach to the game, the pitchers are going to be confident in him, and I, th- I think that we will see a big, Big return for
1: the pitching staff in this coming season. All right. Well, it looks like like I swung and missed. You didn't think my prediction was crazy, so show me what a crazy prediction was like.
0: Okay. Well, this doesn't exactly concern the Mets, but kind of a rival in the division. I hope that's okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Washington is going to win the World Series this year. There's a couple of good teams in the National League, several good teams, including, uh, of course, the Cubs and the Dodgers who have been in the past two World Series. But the Nats, this is going to be their window of opportunity. They're probably going to lose Bryce Harper after this year. So they're going to do whatever it takes to win. If they have to get a a big starter at the trade deadline, they'll do that. If they need to add a relief pitcher, they'll do that. The the infield is just tremendous on that team, the way Anthony Rendon played last year. Trey Turner at shortstop old friend Daniel Murphy at second and Ryan Zimmerman at first. And that doesn't even count the outfield. And Plus they've got the top prospect in the game, Victor Robles, I believe it's pronounced. So it looks to me like they're, 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 they're going to be the team that, uh, even though most people probably won't pick them, I think that's going to be the team to win the World Series this year.
1: Well, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it crazy. Um, uh, I think certainly they have uh, uh, a, a very good track to the, to making the postseason, and obviously that's the first step in in, in making it in, to the World Series and winning the World Series is you actually got to get invited to the to the postseason tournament. And they probably have uh, uh, as good a chance as anybody in the National League to, to win their division. So, but yeah, the thing that, that, that makes you think that pretty
0: well, with, uh, getting on to that. Yeah,
1: been e- exactly. But, uh yeah, you know, they, they've, they've had trouble advancing in the playoffs and, and obviously uh, what was the famous line from, from Billy Bean calling it a crap shoot and, and uh, a few other things that we probably can't say on a, on a family broadcast, but um, uh, certainly luck has not smiled on the nationals in the, in the post and, and is that nothing but a fluke or is there something wrong with the way that they've their team? And I don't think anyone can honestly answer that question, but until they do it, there's always going to be that doubt. But at some point, a team is going to have the the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers year, and everything's going to break right for them. So maybe you're right. Maybe uh, maybe this will be the year for the for the Nationals. Uh, I'd, I'd call your prediction unlikely, but I don't I don't think I'd call it crazy. I'm sorry. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's move on then. Um, one of the the big questions for the the Mets uh, coming into spring training, outside of their health, is how is uh, center field position going to work out so um just not just uh in spring training and and opening day but all year long how do you see playing time in center field working out for the mets this year
0: i'd love to see juan Lagares get the bulk of the time in center field he's of course a tremendous fielder and as was pointed out in the uh 360 blog just recently there was there were some pictures posted there in the comments i believe that the way he's kind of strengthened up his body some improved his strength and uh, he's re- he's retooled his swing a bit so he's worked with that the uh, guru uh, for hitting uh, i can't remember the gentleman's name out in arizona he's worked some time there and retooled that swing so if he couldn't get the bulk of the time in center field that to me would be a uh a good thing for the team because he brings so much to the table on defense. He's got speed. And if he could be a productive hitter, that would be the best. Now there's plenty of other options too. And probably Michael Conforto, once he comes back from his injury, is going to get plenty of time in center field. And he's going to bring a bigger bat. There's little doubt about that. But the natural center fielder is Juan Lagares. Nimmo is adequate. I see Nimo as more of a fourth outfielder type though myself than a, than a starting player.
1: So if, if everything breaks right and the new hitting coaches have successfully overhauled Lagaris' swing and, and turned him into a good offensive player, who, who becomes the, the odd man out? Because you'll have UNA you Cespedes, you'll have Jay Bruce, and you'll have Michael Conforto. And uh, you, it seems like all three of those guys have to play. So if Lagaris is in center, how do those other three work out?
0: Of course there's always the possibility of somebody getting injured or probably will happen at some point. But yes, it's 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 a it's a good thing for a manager to have, I suppose, to have five solid guys. One uh, one really terrific what in Cespitus and left, but you gotta get playing time for all that that seems I don't think is gonna be the, the biggest challenge Mickey Calloway is gonna have though I think he'll manage to do it and probably because unfortunately somebody will see at least some time on the disabled list. But yeah if Probably the, the bottom player on that uh, totem pole would be, I would have to say, Brandon Nimmo.
1: The the bottom player would be who?
0: Brandon Nimmo on the, the totem pole uh-huh. in the outfield yeah. of, the, yes. of yes. the five players. You yes. would have to put him at the bottom.
1: All right, well, I want to talk about... I know, we, uh, I know he he's to one of your it. favorites,
0: too, and he does... Uh, you know, when he's in there, certainly batting him leadoff would be a good thing, but uh, I, I really think that uh, he's, you know... Number five on the
1: totem pole. We only have a couple of minutes left, and I want to talk about Eunice Cespedes because, to me, it, you know, he almost seems like an afterthought right now. You hear so much about the free agents they've signed. You hear so much about the the injured pitchers, and and you hear so much about Conforto. But it seems like Cespedes somehow, the highest played player on the team, is flying under the radar a little bit, and and that that just boggles my mind. So what, what do you expect from, uh, from him this year?
0: When he was playing, he really did a good job last year. I remember looking up his stats not too long ago. It was an impressive slash line over a full year. I believe that slugging percentage is one of the highest he's ever had, uh, well over 500. And his batting average was uh, the two the, nineties the and he got on base better than normal. So boy, you predict that over a full season. That's really good. And he's, Actually, every single year he's been with the he's a sensational 2015. 2016 is excellent. And last year, had he played the whole year, it would have been too. Now he he has said that he's working on doing his off season a little differently. He was really bulked up last year. And, of course, that, that may have a factor with those hamstring problems. But if you can get a, a full season out of him with the kind of production he has, he's had in the past couple of years, really. I think if you had a very good shot at the Mets making the postseason –
1: Now with with Cespedes, he got off to such a fantastic start last year, and then the hamstring issues started cropping up, and I don't believe he got uh, enough time off to let them properly heal, and perhaps that'll be one of the advantages if if Ligaris is able to come through and and uh, and be the offensive force that you that you'd love to see maybe that would allow somebody like an injured cuspidus more time to recover or, or an injured Conforto, as the case may be. Well, John, we are just all out of out, time. Out, Let me try that one more time. We we are all out of time. I want to thank you for uh, joining us tonight, and I hope you had fun.
0: I did, and thank you for having me.
1: All right. Well, uh, please, uh, please tune in again next week at uh, 11 o'clock uh, Eastern time on Wednesday night. Good night, everyone, and goodbye.